You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome everyone. You are locked into Red Fellas on a Sunday night. Your favorite, I know it's your favorite, Liverpool podcast, especially on a Sunday night. Maybe other days of the week you may have other favorites, but for Sunday night, premium content and quality, you already know where you should be. And you're here. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we have uh, a jam-packed show as per, speaking about the once mighty Reds. And it hurts me to say the once mighty Reds. Um, but we speak upon them still because um, it's what we do, right? It's what we do. When you love something, you can't stop talking about them, him, her, it. And that's what it is with Liverpool. It's the love of our hearts. So... Rain or shine, win, lose or draw, we still like to speak about them. Joining me today to speak about them, I have a very, very, become an unfamiliar face. I'm so glad he's back. Big K is back in the building from his huge, huge South Asian tour for his mates. As you can see, he's come back with an almighty glowing tan. Welcome back, sir. You were sorely missed. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I went to go see my fans in Southeast Asia who are fans of the show, watch the show, tune in late. So I thought, you know, I had to be a representative of Grizzcon TV and go out there and show them love. So Thailand, Vietnam, it was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, man, 
brought back the tan, brought back the sun, but unfortunately, I couldn't bring back the results. So I mean, I mean, I mean, people are already saying, Keith, you should have stayed on vacation. I need one. <laughs> It was crazy as well because, like, it was for the first time ever really getting an understanding of how, you know, that that side of the world watched football. Like, games were starting at like half twelve at night, right? So there was one game I watched the Leicester game where Leicester go one nil up, and it's one in the morning, and it's just pain and suffering and adrenaline at one in the morning. So to all the um, to all the fans and watchers of the show. I respect you even more now, having watched football in your time zones. It's crazy. It's mad, isn't it? People always take it for granted how much it must affect people's lives. You know, literally, their, their mental states, because it's different timing. Watching, I don't know about you guys, but watching something in the morning, for example, and then having to do your rest of your day is different from watching something overnight and then you can kind of sleep it off, if you know what I mean. Conroy, are you the same like that as well? Like, does timing of a game affect your daily mood and routine? Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think after the Champions League final, I just slept for a bit and you feel a bit better after you sleep. Um, I've had that before, Keith, when I went to the Philippines. It was, um, I watched the Merseyside Derby. Remember the one when Salah got um, the Puskas Award? Absolute mm -hmm. robbery, how because that was not even the best goal he scored that season. Um, I watched that game at like two in the morning in the Philippines. So I get what Keith's saying. It's a bit, it's a bit mad when you're watching games at that time in the morning. But you know, fair play, fans from all all, all over the world do it. So you know, it's, it's it's quite a, it was a bit surreal. So you must have felt that as well, Keith. Well, it's the adrenaline because you obviously the adrenaline's pumping, and it's like. You shouldn't be getting that, that, that one in the morning. You're trying to go to bed, and instead you feel like your heart's pumping out of your chest. So yeah, for sure, it was a it was a completely different feeling. Certain games I couldn't watch at all, so I just have to wake up and see the reaction, which was even worse because it would be six. I, then I'd wake up the moment I wake up six in the morning. First thing I look at is my phone, and I just see all the all the chat and WhatsApp. So much so I had to log out of Twitter for a bit because it was just. It's not a place to be for a Liverpool fan at the moment. It isn't, it isn't, man. Uh, of course, Mick's in the chat. Mick Moran, of course. Um, check his podcast out tomorrow, guys. Copite podcast. He says, yes, boys, hope all is good. I've got a chat with a legend. That is Jamie Carragher tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say, what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure you guys check that out. I'm not sure when he'll be showing it and whatnot, but check him out. Mick Moran on uh, Twitter, and hopefully he'll have it up there. He'll tell you what it is. There you go. You mentioned Thailand. Big up the panel from Thailand. 3.15 a.m. Wow. Amazing dedication as always. Big up yourselves. Uh, Johnny B says it's 8.15 in Liverpool. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, but, but guys, can you tell where Keith's been away so long and he hasn't kept up with, you know, our channel and everything because he still calls it Grizzcon TV when it's officially been rebranded to Football Carnage. Like, that just shows you you know what I mean? He's been away for so long. It's like one of those... When he went, you know, when he went away, Liverpool were actually good and winning games. He's come back and like... You know that meme where it comes back with a pizza? Community Donald Glover, yeah. When he walks in. That's equivalent of what's happened. You might as well just go back, Keith. Leave the door mm. and just go back, honestly. Do, do the Homer. Do the Homer meme where he just goes back into the hedge. <laughs> just slide <laughs> back out. <laughs> uh, guys, um, sorry, Cav. Um, I'd even ask you because I know how you are because we, we've been speaking for three hours yesterday on a show which was by the way guys 
we always say every week we say the calling show is getting better and better. But I've got to admit, even yesterday was 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 elite levels of, of conversation and some of the callers were magnificent. And that's why I'd even ask Cav, because me and Cav have been speaking. It's like we've been, we've been speaking 24 hours a day about our beloved club, but you're right, mate. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm unlike Keith. I've been here and I've been frigging taking all the hits. So I'm not, I'm not as smiley as Keith is. Yeah, do you know what I mean? We're going we're, we're gonna to press Keith today because Keith's been avoiding and been, while he's been away, he's been, like, he's always here for the glory. Everyone talks about Keith and the glory, but he's going to have to tell us and explain to us what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Because we're going to want to hear from him. But before we do everything else, guys, um, we need everyone to smash a like, first and foremost. Please appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. I said yesterday's calling Khan was absolute carnage. It really was. Um, Check that out when you get a chance. Uh, of course, we're available on all audio platforms now as well, Spotify, Apple. So as as um, as Conroy uh, WhatsApp in the morning, yeah. like, you know, perfect walking the dog content. So it is. Brilliant. Uh, so, go, so go and check that out guys first and foremost of course how do you do this i keep forgetting how to do this we need to speak about our sponsors because our sponsors are amazing and our sponsors are our sponsors and of course there is they are your futcard.com create your own football cards guys with uh, with your name your picture and anything else that you want on it statistically if you're liverpool players right now statistically you may want to reevaluate your stats <laughs> Um, but, you know, it is up to you. Um, check them out for all your, not only your football cards, but all your magnificent football prints and artwork like this. Some of these are some of the examples and samples. They also create your custom, your, um, your custom made own flags, uh, custom flag creator. Uh, you can have anything you want printed on there. I can imagine quite a few FSG <clears throat> flags uh, maybe want to be produced and created, go check them out. Uh, these are the people for all of, of your needs, anything to do with flags, artwork that you may want to stick up. As you guys can see, I've got a sample of the amazing artwork behind me. Mm, there you go. Some of that artwork. Look at that. That's magnificent stuff. That Darwin Nunes one. My God, that's a, that's a beaut there. So go check them out, guys. Um, you type in red fillers at the counter. Uh, check out. Cav... Sorry, man. You always tell me check out, not counter. <laughs> type in type in red fellas at the at the checkout, and you get fifteen percent off all products. Make sure you go check them out. Your futcard.com. Guys, uh, there's no point delaying it anymore. We must talk about Liverpool Football Club. Um, I'm going to come to you straight away because, as I said, you've had it easy. Uh, just an override feeling of. What it was like out in Southeast Asia, first and foremost, about the love for Liverpool and the passion for Liverpool. And what was the mood out like? Because you were four or five weeks out there. Um, as passionate as anywhere else that you've seen Liverpool fans, hurting as much as anyone else. Uh, just give us a mood of what you experienced and, and how you felt. Yeah, so one of the fascinating things is how many Liverpool fans there are in Thailand. Like, you know, you see the Liverpool jersey wherever you go. Um, you know, restaurant owners saying how much they love Liverpool. I had a, I got a picture of the taxi driver. He's got your Neverwall Cologne banner on his uh, on his windscreen. Um, you know, it's a big, 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 like, following for, for Liverpool out there. Um, and the mood for them, I think there's a lot of, 
I actually think there's a lot of casual Liverpool fans out there in terms of like, you know, they, they if you're going to ask them who their favourite football team is, they'll just say Liverpool. So overall, kind of, it's it's still a genuine mood of pride and, and you know, oh, yeah, when you say Liverpool, oh, yeah, man, love Liverpool, this amazing club, blah, blah, blah. But from what I was seeing coming from back home, the, the mood was, was a lot different, right? And my overall reaction to everything that's happened is, you know, one of uh, genuine shock and surprise and disappointment. Very, 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 very disappointed. You know, I'll hold my hands up right now. You know, one of my kind of key towed lines on the channel was the World Cup being something of a bit of a distraction, <laughs> right? It's something that we're going to bounce back from, you know, once the World Cup's over, it's a great opportunity to leapfrog into a position of at least, you know, top four. We've kind of, we've collapsed, We've genuinely collapsed. And, I'm, and, you know, for the first time ever, you know, it has wiped the smile off my face completely, watching some of those games, going back, watching the performances, coming on, listening to the shows and, and, and hearing what was going on. We seem like a club that is um, either in transition, disarray or both. And that's a scary place to be in. And you know what? I think overall, as football fans, you know, in being as part of the football community, what hurts the most is you're seeing the resurgence of Manchester United, the resurgence of Newcastle, the resurgence of Arsenal, all taking place at the exact same time. And now it's just making football in the whole situation just really tough to watch. So, yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm really surprised at what's happened, what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Um, a couple of super chats before we get um, the mood of... Conroy, because I don't think Conroy's been on the show this week, so it'll be interesting to see how he feels after what was last week. Um, about Pimpin' Distress uh, sends in a generous super chat. Appreciate the love of sports. He says, more power to you, Grizz. Shake off the haters. Don't forget, they're probably still sitting in their nan's front room with their sweats around their ankles. You never <laughs> will look alone. Thank you very much, brother. Um, yeah, if people not sure what he's referring to, just, just a few happens. When you get frustrated... The fan base gets heated, frustrated, and a few things get said. And I had a section of small minority of the fan base um, just sort of almost sounding on the verge of, uh, yeah, just personal abuse and wasn't very pleasant. But it is what it is. People know, people that know me well know that I'm, I'm very, very thick-skinned, rhino skin they call me. But it was good I highlighted it, I felt, for, for people that maybe are not as thick-skinned as me. Um, that are put off by going to games, home and away, traveling, leaving behind family, children, the financial sacrifices involved. Keith's just telling us about sort of the time differences in terms of, you know, some people that have to, you know, maybe miss work or be, you know, messed in their head for the rest of the day. So, you know, we shouldn't have this elitism amongst our fan base that sometimes we do encounter, but it is what it is. No big issue. Appreciate the love and support every time, my friend. Um, Yadvindra says, Grizz, please, some takeover and transfer news, please. Um, if I hear of anything and if I know of anything, whether you choose to believe it or not, uh, I usually say it, um, but I will be speaking about something that I've heard of about, uh, and we will be speaking on that later on in the show. Stay tuned. Uh, Dinesh sends in a super chat. Evening panel. Do you think Darwin Nunes yesterday? Do you think we missed Darwin Nunes yesterday? Knowing we know he misses chances, but I think we did miss. Do you think the same? I, I guess, Conroy, that probably segues into sort of yesterday and uh, the team news and the formation as a result of the 
of the of the team news. So when it rains, it pours. Darwin Nunes is now injured. Um, it's said that it's not serious, but it was said Bobby Firmino is not serious. It was said Diego, Luis Diaz would have been back and then had a back, you know, a reoccurrence. Um, Virgil van Dijk is out. Um, it just kind of, when it rains, it pours. And Darwin Nunes, our latest hope, ray of sunshine almost. I mean, I know he's missed chances, but his overall action and his running power and his ability to create danger um, was missing yesterday as well. And I agree with the super chat. I thought we missed him like mad. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I think that's maybe um, more a point of that our midfield just can't do much with the ball at the moment, to be honest. Um, so we can't really play through them. And it's no coincidence that the last, say, four or five games, the one route of success has been you know, Trent or, or our midfield playing balls over the top to Salah or Nunes. And that's been a, because he's so fast and his movement's pretty good up there, it gives, allows us to get chances. And it allows us a false um, sense of security that we're actually were in form when it's quite obvious and we spoke about every game we weren't in form barring the Aston Villa game Leicester lucky as anything and it was probably because we never had that outlet we just had absolutely nothing and it's no coincidence that that's probably the worst performance and probably the worst attacking performance we've seen for a long long time as well because even in the bad bad games you've at least you've still had some something you know there's, there's maybe been an incident you can talk about but yesterday there's nothing to be seen so I don't think that's a coincidence at all yeah, I think you're right, actually. When I, when I was doing the, um, thinking about what we're going to talk about and I ended up not doing it, you know, I told you guys I'm working on the agenda, give me an hour or five hours later, you asked me and I hadn't done it. It's just just the way I felt. Um, I was actually thinking and you were spot on. I don't think we had an incident to talk about from our side, Cav. It's, it's almost every incident is based upon them being in our penalty area, missing chance after chance after chance and the frustration and the lack of ability lifeless one of the most lifeless performances that i can remember and i actually called it the worst coached performance that i can remember me personally i'm sure you guys have your own personal favorites for me the worst coach performance since the stoke 6-1 yeah i think i've spoke to a few people since the game at the weekend and uh, a lot of people are agreeing and saying that's probably the worst performance they've seen on the clock you know, and, and we've had we've had a few bad ones, you know, um, Aston Villa away comes to mind. But I think the difference is that, like you kind of said, it was lifeless. And we, um, it was as if we just turned up. Yet, um, when do we play? Saturday. Yeah, yesterday. It's as if we just turned up and just went through the motions and we're just like, as if we just needed to be bodies on the pitch and it was a training game for Brighton. There was just no fight whatsoever. There was They didn't try to do anything. And then like after about, half an hour of watching that football, you were just a bit resigned to going, okay, that's going to be the result. This is going to be the outcome. It's one of them days. And I don't know about everybody else, but for me, I'm not sure if it's because I kind of expected it. We did the preview and we knew it was going to be a tough game, but it didn't quite hurt like the others. And I think it's just because the season's been so bad and inconsistent that I've kind of just accepted where we are. And I've kind of just just not checked out, but I'm just, I can't no, get numb. Wrong. You're numb. You feel numb. Yeah. Numb, normalized. Yeah. You feel numb. Yeah. yeah. That's how and I you know, in, you know, in games where I think you alluded to it, Conroy, where you can get angry in an incident or you can get angry at a player just mistiming a challenge or not doing a challenge when they should or not clearing their lines when they should and stuff. But 
quite simply, we just wasn't good in any department. So it's hard to be angry at absolutely everything, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so. that's a good way of putting it. Like, how many things can you be angry with? Can you be angry with the owners, the players, the coaches, the substitutions, all at once? Mm. Because that's how it felt like. Like, mm. there was nothing... I did, like, Keith, I'm going to come to you when we see the lineup, and we've been pretty much screaming out for do something different, pick something different. Uh, what do they say? A sign of insanity is doing something again and again expect, and mm. expecting a different result. A, do you think had he, he had any options to change it about? Um, and B, if he did, why isn't he doing it? And C, is it a sign of insanity now? Because as a result of yesterday, there is a small minority of the Liverpool fan base, whether it's based in Liverpool, whether it's based in UK, Southeast Asia, Europe, Africa, Antarctica, North Pole, Ice fucking Pole, <laughs> right? There is a small minority now that is questioning Jurgen Klopp as a coach. Mm. Yeah, so Jurgen Klopp is at fault for yesterday's defeat. Like, we could go into discussions about what we need. We can go into discussions about the players that played. Yesterday was all on Jurgen Klopp, and that's why he came out and apologised for it, because he knew that it was his selection. In my opinion, whatever tactics they decided, and they had a week to do this as well, right? This wasn't like we had a Champions League game and it was a quick turnaround and Nunes picked up a knock. They had a whole week to prepare for this game. And whatever tactics they had come up with did not trans transcend to the players at all. The players looked like they were, uh, they never played football with each other in their lives. The players looked like they've never pressed in their lives uh, with each other. They've never uh, built up play with the ball at their feet in, in, in their lives. They look like strangers. And if players look like strangers, then for me, that's the coach's fault. That is the coaching team. That is the manager's fault. And he got the tactics very, very wrong. When I saw that lineup, I think a couple of things come to mind. First of all, it's kind of like, you know, we've done this to ourselves. So there's no one to blame but ourselves when we're in this position with some of the players that are still being picked. For example, Fabinho. At this current rate, Fabinho is not good enough to play for Liverpool Football Club, period. Right? Fabinho does not look like he's, he's with it anymore. He doesn't look like he's there anymore. He just looks like he's passing by, picking up a paycheck and wearing a Liverpool shirt. He is a very lucky man. In any other team... In the top six right now, Fabinho would be on the bench. So when I see his name pop up on the team sheet every week, that's for me, is the first question mark. Why is there nobody that can replace and play in his position? Well, because we don't have anybody who can play and play in his position. So that's the club's fault. Second player that popped up to mind where I was just like, I'm not, I once was so excited to see your name on the team sheet, but now I'm not, is Joel Matip. I think Joel Matip is, uh, is the mummy, is almost like an Egyptian mummy. We have patched mummy. him up so many times over the years, but it seems the recent patch-up of Joel Matip and the person that's come out onto that pitch does not trust himself physically with his body anymore. He doesn't look like oh. the player he used to be. He really has gone a couple of steps backwards, in, in, in my opinion. He really looks like a shadow of his former self. And the final thing that I noticed, which I thought was going to play out in that team selection, was Cody Gakpo at centre-forward. Now, 
I did not rate Cody Gakpo's performance as centre forward for the Netherlands, to be quite honest with you. I don't think he's a good striker. I think he's a lazy presser off the ball. He's not good playing in that central position. He do, he's not a striker. He's not a striker at all. So if the club have purchased this player to think they're going to play him in multiple different positions, yesterday, yes, it was his debut Premier League game, and it wasn't a position that he we bought him for, in my opinion. But when I saw that he was going to be the player that was going to play centre forward, that's when I just knew this is going to be one of those games where you're playing a well-drilled side that are just going to take take us to the cleaners. So, yeah, that was my thoughts on 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 the on the game. And, and to the super chat about Darwin Nunes, absolutely. You know, Darwin Nunes has probably been the chaos that has allowed us to kind of get through games. We would have probably had a few big chances in that game as well if Darwin Nunes had been playing. Once you take him out with everything else, then the forward line. It's not what it was. Salah is not the guy. He's not Steven Gerrard. You know, Salah's not going to be the guy. Okay, today, today's the day Salah's going to win you a football match all by himself when the rest of the team's playing shit. He's not that type of player. Gakpo's just starting. He's not a centre forward. And that's for Alex, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. That's on Jurgen Klopp as well. Too much faith for too long. He's not got the legs to play in that position. And he certainly can't play in that position out of the ball because what I saw, and we'll talk about it, what I saw him doing off the ball in the pressing situations was just ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, a couple of super chats, and one of them is segueing into what I wanted to talk to Conrad about. Well, is what we're talking about anyway. Chris, would you take Mancini if he Klopp leaves? I don't want Klopp to leave, bro. I don't want Klopp to leave. Simple. I don't want him to leave yet. Man United, women's six, Liverpool nil. I'll just keep giving you money for your chocolate. You need it, Chris. Appreciate the support. Thank you very much. Um, I'll keep eating the chocolate. Um, Shane McGee says Klopp needs to be criticised for tactics and team selection but sacking him would be ludicrous a new manager is a potential short-term gain but will be a massive long-term failure I totally agree with you but there is questions and that's why for shows like this we need to try to give our opinion not have answers but give our opinion on all the questions that are being asked in the in the in the Liverpool Twitter sphere social media Twitter sphere Yo was good says I worry about Klopp who thinks when things, when things are going his way, tactically horrible, I don't understand why he played Thiago as a 10 in the first half when he had natural turns on the bench. Doke over Cavalio, I think he means. Mm. Um, Klopp was poor, Ryan says, but how do you plan tactics for players losing the ball right after winning it back? Forget numbers. Mo needs to influence games like Saka. Yes, Jürgen is responsible, Rabadam says, but he's not the only one losing every duel out. He's not the one losing every duel out there. Maybe we should get a psychiatrist in January. Um Sean Casey, you appreciate the generous uh, super chat. He says, our fan base is overreacting. Klopp out. Are they for real? The players are worn out from the quad attempt. This is FSG's fault alone, not improving on success. What do you expect Klopp to do? The change is them to go. Um, Conroy, Keith, uh, you're on mute, uh, Keith, but it's good because go on. No, I was going to say that was a great profile pic, Sean. Do you know what I mean? Like, bold excellence out there. Shining. It's a great profile pic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you usually enough. see people's actual face with the profile pics when they pop up. And then I see Sean just there with the post. Keeps back. Keeps <laughs> back. Keeps back. <laughs> Keeps back. Uh, smash the like button, everyone. Uh, Sleeping Dragon uh, speaking facts here. There's close to 900 of you in here. We would love and appreciate a like. That's all we actually demand and ask for. Like sometimes I go a bit OTT and ask for about seven times a show. I might break that record today if I don't get enough. So, yeah, I'm just warning you. I'm going to continue asking. Conroy, Keith was, I think, very lenient as usual. Keith was very 
uh, what's the word? Just very kind. And I thought he took it easy because he only mentioned three or four players. And he said he doesn't understand how they represent or how are they still playing for Liverpool. I don't know who was worthy of wearing the shirt yesterday, Conroy. I'll go as far as saying that. And that is, I don't know. I don't know what that means. That means that's awful. That's an embarrassing situation to be because there was more than enough quality, experience, mentally strong, captains in their own right. Call it all. Call it what you want and how you want. There was more than enough to not get embarrassed by Brighton and Hull Albion 3-0 and be lucky that it was 3-0. More than enough. Um, yeah, I mean, to, for me, to be honest, guys, I think just like um, we can say, you know, about the players and that, but this is not an isolated incident. So you, you can go on about that. Like, there's obviously... It's, it's not a good place to be at the moment. But I think tactically, we were just like absolutely done. Like, we're not playing well, but it was like anything we tried as well, like Klopp tried, you say, it didn't work. Um, like, you had Pascal Gross playing at right back. Um, to me, Brighton screaming a team that they all know and they can manage a game on the park themselves as well, but they all know where to go. So I think there's a few instances where Pascal Gross would come inverted um, and basically he put the two fullbacks to Zerbe. Estepian and um, Gross at the time, they kind of lull us into thinking they're going to go wide with them. But actually what they've done is they, between Sanchez, I can't remember the two centre-backs, they then play in the space uh, to the cent central midfielders. And then, as you've seen, they'd get the balls behind Timotoma and March. And because they're doing it so quickly, Thiago couldn't track um, uh, March on that side, which, to be fair, Henderson tried to do when Matoma didn't do very well, but he tried to cover that ground. So they were just continuously getting in those spaces. And then at times as well, because Gross was coming over, it allowed McAllister. So you see he was coming over with, um, who's the other centre mid for Brighton? You've got McAllister and Casado. Uh, so Gross was coming over. So then he's found uh, McAllister popping in that little half space at the left side, eight, he was pushing higher up to attack, and that was causing us so much problems. And it got to the point, I think, Grizz, your tweet summed up, how the hell it wasn't 1-0 at half-time, I've not got a, a clue, to be honest. Um, it, it, yeah. was, it should have been 1-0. Um, I just think it was... Minimum, minimum. Lots of other reasons, but I thought tactically... Yeah, minimum, yeah. But I think we got tactically outdone, uh, and even in the second half when we tried to change it. This bit sums us up right now. It makes a change to the positions in the second half, and we can see the minute in the second half. That about sums us up right now. So the players can't follow the runners. The, the tactics are wrong. And, and it Brighton, to me, it was really embarrassing yesterday because that team's not an expensive team. It's not an expensive team to create. It's, we used to be known for finding great deals for players and making it work. And now it just looks like the saddest thing is, I think a couple of years ago, people were worried this was going to happen and it, or they predicted it and they're absolutely spot on. And I think yesterday just sums it up. We've just let it get to this point where we're, I keep saying it and I know Cal's probably going to laugh, but we're trying to play a certain way and we've not got the tools to play that way. So well, here's this groundbreaking thing. Don't play that way. You have to adapt. I'm not being funny, right? But managers of a lesser quality basically, if they don't adapt, they're not there. Like, And it's like, I'm not saying that at all. I just, this stubbornness to play pressing against, the, especially their midfield, but just to play it in general, we've not got the quality. I don't even know if the word's baffling anymore because I'm saying it every week. It's getting to the point now where I don't think this result will change it. I think we'll try to do it again 
and we'll get embarrassed again in some games. We might win some other games when Nunes is there. But overall, this is probably going to happen four or five more times. Maybe not 3-0, but there'll definitely be defeats. And I don't know. Like, guys, I would I would, I would, would bite your hand off for a 0-0 right now in a clean sheet. Honestly, I would. It's getting to that point where that defence, just anyone who's playing looks all over the place. Look like they don't trust their ability to defend right now. So, sorry, Grizz, you're going to, you're going to speak to No, 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 it's fine. Um, what I was going to say is, Kev, I'd, I'm going to take it one step further. I think the embarrassing part of yesterday was we actually tried to change it. <laughs> Guys, we actually tried to change it. We had, uh, is Cav there? Yeah, Cav's there. Sorry, you froze a little. We actually tried to change the formation. We actually tried to tweak it. We actually tried to play. Help me out, guys. I don't know. People are saying it was a 4-2. Four, four, Some people are saying it was a 4-2-3-1. I mean, first, give me, tell yeah. me what you thought. Yeah. We should have been better prepared today, Conrad. It's my bad. We should have got a... We should have got our formation and the no, other. I think it was a four, four, two, three, one. Four, two, three, one was on paper, but I don't know. If no, it but we should have, we should we should have got our heat maps out today. We're so ill prepared because that's the way we feel right now, yeah. But Kev, I think we tried to tweak it. Yeah. But I think we got it even worse. Like we made it even easier for the opposition, and that's an indictment on the coaching. Mm -hmm. Pep Linders and Jurgen Klopp, and I'm gonna call it out. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks because my opinion, and everyone else is entitled to their opinion. Yesterday, like Keith says, it wasn't about FSG, who are we know, we know they're at the end of their tenor. We want them gone, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much to a man, woman, cat, dog, yeah, fridge, cup of tea, right? It wasn't about signings a midfielder. It wasn't about injuries. Okay. But yesterday wasn't anything else apart from an awfully coached team and a bunch of players, all 11 of them, that had no idea, no energy. And I hate to say it about a Liverpool team. I hate to say it about a Liverpool team, especially under Jurgen Klopp, no desire. That tactical plan, whatever we coached and tried all week, was embarrassing in that first 45 minutes, even though it was nil-nil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the players didn't have a clue where they were meant to be or who they were meant to pick up or what to do. I think we tried to go to a 4-2-3-1, but where this just is 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 ridiculous is we usually play 4-3-3, right? And we went to a 4-2-3-1 with Thiago as like a 10 or a more advanced of the three. But naturally, when you're playing Salah and Gakpo, who both want to come in on their stronger foots and come in field, a 4-2-3-1 can look like a 4-1-2-1 diamond. It can look like a 4-4-2 because naturally where the players come in when they are in possession is so central, it's so narrow. And I understand it from a point of view where that if they wanted to play narrow and push Brighton out wide, then that's probably less risk of conceding a goal than of being exploited through the centre. So I get why you would try, but just didn't work. It was ridiculous. And I don't think small tweaks like that is going to help anybody at all because they're too similar. When the game pans out, you know, Liverpool always defend in a 4-4-2, usually, right? They try and two forwards push onto the edge of the 18-yard box. The midfielders push up and it's a bit of a box, right? Which is easily bypassed at the minute. But in possession, we switch from a... It was 4-3-3. And then it, yesterday it was a 4-2-3-1. We actually looked like a diamond, as I said, because the two forwards were so narrow. Um and it's, it's all just ends up being the same thing. 
there's no advantage gained through switching that formation. The only way you're going to gain an advantage tactically by switching formation is if you do it a bit more radical and go to, say, three or five at the back. That's how you would make a change. Going from 4-4-2, 4-3-3, it doesn't matter. If you had, if you played 4-2-3-1, but your two wide men were wide men, they were wingers, you would notice. Just like how Arsenal play, you know, Saka and Martinelli, they come in, but they also go wide at times. Salah and Gakpo are always going to come in. So it was always going to look the same. And then all you're doing is just adding confusion to what the players think they need to do. I think if that was his attempt at being tactically um, sound, it was it was terrible, to be totally honest with you. It was, it was abysmal. And the players, as I say, didn't look like they knew what to do. Half-arse pressing yet again. And it just looked like Brighton could just play rounders with ease. I think what we also need to do is probably separate tactics with coaching because mm -hmm. I believe that tactics wise it's formation it's positioning individually from attacking set pieces defending set pieces it's in and out of possession it's different scenarios right whereas coaching is more patterns of play you know how you receive your ball body positioning who to look for is it a long diagonal paint up 10 different scenarios where your head should be pointing, who you should be aiming for, this and that. It looks like the coaching's not been there for, for ages. I'll be totally honest with you. I kind of thought this at points, even in the running yeah. last season, where I was like, coaching-wise, we look like we ain't coached. Genuinely, I feel like at times we look like we're good in attack because we have genuine quality. In people like Salah and Trent and Robbo, like, they have genuinely quality. But I don't think, like, coaching-wise, it's particularly good. Like, yesterday, if the players were well-coached, it doesn't matter what formation they were playing. They should have been able to win a duel, and when they get the ball, just make a simple pass. Just make a simple pass to the man next to you, or go wide, or just retain it for a minute. They can't even do that, because there's nobody around them to pass to, and they just have to hoof it in a panic. Like, the coaching is, is terrible. And for a team that looks like they spend, you know, 30,000 hours a week doing rondos, my God, they can't even do one triangle or a one-two in a game. Like, it's crazy. Conroy, you was going to um, come in. Can I just add to Cav's point? Because I think um, there's a bit in that as well about the patterns of playing. Listen, we, we, me and you could talk about that between us all day. I know we have in the past. We can probably touch on that again in the future. But on the point that gets me, and I think this probably creeps into a lot of football, it's not just us, but... If you're watching that game, right, Solly March about four times had so much space and it was just basically Robbo and an overload against Solly March and a, um, I can't remember, it was a few players overloaded there. But it wasn't just like one instance, this kept happening. And it's like, does that, I want to get your thoughts, does that not like baffle you guys to why there was not either changes on the part to say, right, sit and come over for a bit and help me or help Robbo on that side? Because to me, it's like, I don't know why that's not happening. Like, If we identify that two or three times in a game, there should be changes. And again, I think it comes back to, and I'm not going to repeat about the adapting stuff, but like, genuinely, I keep hearing people say like, changing the formation doesn't automatically make you more compact, as Cav said. Like, that you actually, positionally, tactically, if you say, right, we're, we're going to be a low block, I'm not say low block, but we're going to be sit back a bit here and be compact. That's what happens. Like, it's... It, it's you know it's not it isn't rocket science and it's just like mm -hmm. you can just tell that we're never going to do that like it's not it's not like Brighton carved us open like they done really well to get in the spaces and their football was brilliant but there was space there a lot of the time 
I don't know if you guys agree with that. To me, mm. it felt like they had numerous times and numerous space in behind. And I just, yeah, I just I just find it baffling that we can identify this in the first half, yet it just continues to happen and there's not any changes as it's happening like on the field in the first half. But and players don't do it anymore though, do it? Players players literally just go on. You never see, like, as you said, Grizz, last week, a fullback telling a midfielder to come back and help them. You never really see that anymore. Maybe Van Dyke, probably, but it's not very, very often you do. Uh, Hussam Chatila says uh, they're mentally drained, nothing to do with tactics or clock, and it's all about desire. You can park a bus and still have a situation. I totally disagree, Keith. And I, and I, and I, I've said it quite openly and, and quite blatantly. For a few weeks now, lads, I've come to the conclusion, just my opinion again, I've come to the conclusion that they can't physically do it anymore. I'm genuine about that. I don't think Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago and Matip and Ox, that's five I've mentioned straight at the top of my head, have got the physical capabilities to play anything like they had to play, let's say, three years ago even. And it's worrying and scary that the coaches, namely Jürgen Klopp, can't see that. I genuinely think they are trying. I don't think they've stopped listening. There's rumours of they're not playing for him, whatever. I just don't think they're physical. And, and this mental fatigue thing, I don't know. I've got no... I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't know how this works. So I'm not an expert on it. So I'm not going to speak on something that I'm not an expert on. Not that I'm saying I'm an expert on football tactics and whatnot, but I'd like to think that I've watched and seen enough football to have a basic understanding. And the eye test to me as well, seeing these players live as well, a lot of the time is they're physically not up to doing what they were able to do. And if they're getting, getting, getting asked to do the same thing, for five years, pretty much, those five players have been five years with us, if not more, been asked to do the same thing week in, week out. They physically can't do it, Keith. Literally, Brighton were doing very basic, brilliant, brave, technical football, but it was it was so simple to, to actually bypass our midfield and our attack, which you wanted to talk about. I know you want to talk about the press. Maybe go into that if you want. Well, that's it. I mean, if we, we could talk about press and segue into it when we're talking about physicality. I think there's something to be said in... And I think you got to, when you look at this point, you've got to see it from a different point. Like, physically and mentally, I think, uh, come in, both come into it at the same time. Because I could imagine, right... And someone in WhatsApp group made, made this point, Sam made this point, and I agree with him 100%. Jordan Henderson playing for Bright, this Brighton team right now, would we be seeing a different Jordan Henderson? Like we see Adam Lallana. Adam Lallana, for all tenses and purposes, has been told physically he can't keep up to play with the demands of Liverpool. But yesterday he had an absolute... He was part of all these patterns of play and he's one of the stalwarts in the Brighton. Sorry, Keith, just one second. I've been watching your comments, son, daughter, nephew, niece, wherever you are. Why are you on this channel if you think there's something wrong with it? Fuck off or shut your mouth or I'll block you and mute you. All he's been doing is moaning or her. Shut up. There's so much to talk I've about. Literally, yeah, I've literally said the owners need to get out. Are you not watching and listening? Are you thick? Sorry. It's I, I love calling that dickheads. But, you know, look, you look at these players and you think, right, again, if they play for a different club with different momentum, maybe a brand new signing at these clubs, they would be different players right now. I still think they've got the quality, 
But I just think at Liverpool, at this moment in time, the philosophy and the ideas need to change. They need to find a different way. And, and perhaps maybe they are trying to find a different way. But then that requires a wholesale change of players. Because when you talk about physically being able to do the demands of the job, the perfect example is the physicality of the press. You had Oxlade Chamberlain. <laughs> it's hilarious at times. You had Chamberlain, Gakpo, Thiago and Salah, right? Multiple times during that game, trying to press Brighton into their own box. I have never seen the defenders look less scared and bothered, right, by the fact that they had four players around them than I did in that Brighton game. They were chilling. L nice little, like as um, uh, Conroy was alluding to, Solly March on the wide. When they were getting those sprays up to Solly March, all it was was March at Lalana. All of a sudden, they were breaking off and, and, and having a counterattack. So you've lost four players or like from that press, which Klopp and Linders have proclaimed that it's a risk and it's a risk that we take because the risk and the reward benefits are so great. The risk and reward benefits... Lots of risk, no reward. Lots of risk. No reward. <laughs> Zero reward. Because the players Crazy. are not... At, that, at, the, at the end of the day, the players have now shown over a nice sample size, right? They've shown over half a season that they're just not up for it for the type of intensity that they used to be. I still believe that giving them a big game or giving them an, a, a, a proper one of those kind of games, knockout tournament, Champions League, stuff like that, that you'll see the sides of Liverpool. You'll also see all the cracks. They, they get shown out as well, but they show themselves out in the big games. And that's, that's my belief is what, that's where physically and mentally they can bring themselves to. But... The, the, the way you win league titles is not bringing your A game in a, a game away to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge or in Man United at home at Anfield. You don't win league titles doing that. You win league titles bringing your A games by going to Brighton, winning 1-0, getting the hell out of there, taking the three points and going home. And physically and mentally for the beliefs of Klopp and, and the team at this moment in time, there is a clear disconnect they, they, you know, and, and it's not being brought into, particularly in that midfield. They don't buy into it anymore. Or if they do, they try and implement something that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, Conroy, I, I don't know where to start with the game. We saw the lineup again. To um, again, many people were thinking Naby Keita will get a start in this midfield, considering the form and physical capabilities of the other three right now. I think it's embarrassing watching our three midfielders. I'm sorry I'm not singling out one. I think all three of them are stinky. Thiago, for the player and capabilities, is stinking out the gaff in comparison to his talent. So before people say, oh, he's the only one who's got a pass and a control in him, well, that's why I'm fucking singling him out because he's the most talented and he's the most creative and he's won the most. He's the most experienced and he was supposed to be the icing on the cake. Henderson, we know, has been pretty much shouldn't be a star in this team for the last 12 months, never mind now. So 12 months ago, we were saying Henderson shouldn't be a star. So stop with the Henderson, oh, just Henderson, just Henderson, just Henderson. We know Henderson shouldn't be starting in this team. Fabinho, I've been on a... People saying, oh, it's a witch hunt for Fabinho. Are you seeing it now, though? Are you yeah. seeing Fabinho now? I've been saying it six, seven months about Fabinho as well. I don't think we're going to see the best of Fabinho again as well. It's so worrying. 
especially, and we already know, the lack of investment. And I don't want to talk about the same shit every week about lack of investment. We know we've mashed up and we're in a sticky position with regards to incomings and midfielders and we need a whole refresh. But what I'm trying to say, Conroy, and I'm saying it in an emotional and long way, long-winded way, sorry, is Bejetic, Nabi Keita, there is, needs to be something different. Or play two of them. If we can't even raise three midfielders that can run and at least equal the amount of running the opposition are going to do, just play two of them that can actually do it. Because right now, it seems to be an actual running energy problem. We cannot keep up with any set of midfielders. Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I, I think a lot of comments there as well. Like, Naby is not like, you know, he's not played amazing by any means, but he's just been at a decent standard where the others haven't. And um, I agree, even um, uh, Bacetic, um, he comes on, has a bit of composure, scores a goal, it's a great moment. And it's like, even stuff like that, you, you feel like at times it's like, again, I find it very frustrating. Like You look at Thiago, and only Liverpool could do this to Thiago in the sense of take Thiago in as one of the best, maybe in a pivot, if you say, but controlling the game and make him a workhorse. It's, it's honestly like, have a word. Genuinely have a word. I've never seen us try to put Thiago in the six and let's get engines around him and, or, or engines to a certain extent. Something like that. I mean, to me, that would make more sense to try. At least, at least it's something different. But again, just again, it falls into the the insanity term that I know you said and a lot of the comments are saying, we just keep going and hoping for the best. And I feel like we're going to the welder now, but it's running dry a lot because one, you need a bit of fortune, you need to be on it. And especially in some of those games, we all discussed it. If you break them down, there's so many moments, even in the Aston Villa game, Villa missed some big, big chances in that game as well. We overall, we probably deserve to win. But if you're breaking them down, this is it's a reoccurring theme and yeah, I, I ideally Keita should have started the game. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's already you're frustrated before you're going into the match already, before we even and, and we all know, listen guys, our predictions, I know I wasn't on the preview, but last week I said we'd get beat 2-0, two or three 0 That ultimately is what happened. I'm sure I didn't actually catch what uh, you and Cav prediction was, the score prediction, but I'm sure it was something similar. So with that already in your mindset <laughs> going into the game and seeing that lineup, you're probably already fearing for the worst. Mm -hmm. um, it, as I said, it was nil-nil at halftime. It should have been three-four. I'm serious. It was really easy for for Brighton. It almost like they were playing slow motion. Do you know when you're playing your your, your child in FIFA? Well, a child that never picked up a joypad because these days children are far better than parents. Mm -hmm. So you know what I mean when I say that? A child that's never picked up a joypad. Is it called joypad even these days? Am I showing my age? You know, yeah. controller. Controller. Yeah, no, you can go joypad. You can go joypad. We'll I'll let you have that joypad. one. Okay, yeah, let me yeah. have that one. But it looked like they were doing that to us. It was like, oh, draw the draw the player in, pass it around him slowly, then draw the other one, draw it around him. It, nothing changed. This is where I'm getting worried for now not for the long term because surely surely people of the caliber of our coaches will see this long term but short term we're in a like a twilight zone kind of thing where we're not seeing these things and it's worrying because again to most of us we saw that 45 minutes many a coach would have done something about that in the first half an hour because the trend was set what makes it worse, Cav? We come out half time, we're thinking something. I didn't expect nothing to change, to be honest with you, but I thought something might be a bit different. Instead, 
we go go down within thirty seconds, and and it's even worse, Cav. It's even worse. Grizz, can you remember when we did the preview and I I highlighted out Solly March and I said never gets the credit he deserves because he never scores. No, he did. He said, I, I listened to it. I listened to it. I was like, Cav, Cav, honestly, spot on. He actually always plays well against us. Because I see these guys that work hard and are able to find space and cutting in on that left foot, I just knew that Canate at left back, right, as good as he is, he should have been at right back to help Trent out and he wasn't. Matip needs Virgil to hold his hand. Robbo's not been great and I could just see it because a lot of focus would have been on Matoma and don't get me wrong, the focus was on him and he was still getting success. I just thought it might come from the other side because I saw Pascal Groves is there, he's an intelligent footballer, I thought they might link Cav, him quite well. Cav, so sorry, but the focus was on Matoma from who? Well, from from people that were watching the game and analysing and previewing the game, right? Yeah. Why, yeah. Wasn't, why wasn't the focus from us on Matoma? Well, why wasn't the coaches, why didn't we have any thing remotely like a plan to do with their one danger man we knew yeah. trossard's out is it trossard yeah trossard's out yeah. the other guy who terrorizes us every time we play him we knew they've got a young buck up front who's a handful and a half but pretty much we should have known that lalana's never going to run through us even though he will link up and have lovely touches we know McAllister and casado are going to dominate in midfield, but keep the ball ticking. But we knew the penetration, the pace, the running in behind, everything that we shit ourselves, everything that we struggle with was going to come from Mitoma. Yet we had Trent isolated against him one-on-one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and do you know what? I actually think Trent didn't do too bad, to be honest. Like a few times Mitoma got by him or, you know, got in behind him, but I felt like Trent recovered more often than not. Um, and let's face it, there was must have been over 10 times that Mitoma had a chance to get by him. I also think in the first few minutes, Trent caught out, which were just like tap-ins from Mitoma. He managed to intercept them, so credit to him there. Canate did well in the first few minutes to sort of get across and put challenges in and interceptions in. So they didn't do too bad in, in, in some moments, but the team was never going to be set up, was, wasn't set up to defend everything, and their goal was always going to come. I just think we're at a point now like where we played... Look, Matic's been a, a good player for us, right? He's had his injury issues, but usually when he comes back, he plays well. He's been a magnificent but, player for us. Yeah, but... But... Alongside Virgil. Alongside Virgil, who talks to him and instructs him. And they're two, they're two uh, you know, at, their attributes in each of them is a good partnership. But we've seen from Matic when he's, he's not got Virgil beside him, he, he, is a, he is a slightly lesser player, I would say. I also think if the obvious threat was Matoma, why not put Canati on the right side of centre midfield, uh, central defence? Like we've done it before to cover Trent. Most famously, we we kept Vinicius Junior out in the Champions League final. You know, yep. and and then if you're thinking, well, if Matic can't play left centre back, well, we're at the point, guys, where we can't turn our nose up at people like Nat Phillips. Like you might just have to turn to him and go, do you know what? I need to I need to look at what the opposition's threats are. Box that off. Box that off. Who can I use? And and forget this what they've done for you in the past, forget what potential they've got, forget all of that, play the people if they've got form or if, if they can play the position well. I don't know why we're turning our nose up at Nat Phillips now. I actually think he could come in and do a job for us at this point in time. But then just to add to that point, and, and you touched upon it um, a minute mm -hmm. ago, Conroy, was that Bacetic comes on in the Villa game, plays well and scores, doesn't play again. Carvalho comes on and, well, plays against Man City, scores, doesn't play again. And I'm not saying they're the answer long term. But what I am saying is what this team does not have is momentum. So what you have to do is take the little bit of momentum that some players have and just stick them in. 
Like, Vitecic might have a poor game, right? You don't know. But if he's feeling good because he's just scored a goal, right, and he's playing well in the short minutes that he has played, just stick him back in again. Because that energy will carry a lot of other people. If you're going to keep going back to the same people, the old reliables that aren't playing well and have no form and no momentum, you're going to get the same outcome. I think it's just the selection's a bit ridiculous, to be honest with you. And like you say, we we're always going to concede. Always going to concede. You could tell after the first five minutes, Canate put like three or four challenges in and you went, well, if you sent it back to having to do that already, it's a long day. Um, Albert, who was the star of the call-in show last night, um, hope you're keeping well, um, says, Chris, didn't you hear Klopp say he didn't expect this? Keith, at what stage do we know that he's trolling? And he's, uh, look, Jurgen Klopp is the best coach in my lifetime for Liverpool. And one of the reasons why he's so amazing and brilliant is the way he can protect his players, keep 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 them loyal, fight for him, come to the club in the first place, and just all round go to war for him in every situation. And they have been, right? But he can't turn around to us in a press conference after we've just been smashed to smithereens. And, and then before that, pretty much smashed to bits by Wolves at home, smashed to bits by Brentford, lucky with Leicester, and I think we lost before that as well, I can't remember. He cannot turn around and say to us, he didn't see that coming, Keith. What's the mentality thinking behind that, do you think? Because I think maybe for the first time, he realised that all of the situations that have taken place behind the scenes at Liverpool Football Club this season... It's coming, to started, a... it's coming together. This yeah. was the moment where all the other things that we've discussed, we put it to the side, and we discussed, we put it to the side. You know, the fact that Liverpool for sale, uncertainty around the club, uncertainty around ownership, right? We're the only team in that trying to fight for top six football that has uncertain ownership situations. Any any company in the world that you work for, if all of a sudden there you're hearing that you're going to be sold, you question your own position in the club, you question all the structures surrounding that working environment that you live in and whether the culture is going to be the same. You know, I, I've personally never been involved in buying, but I know we, you know, a company of ours bought another company that's pretty popular and you get the, you know, they, when they came over at that time, there was so much uncertainty. A lot of people left because they didn't like what they were coming into and stuff like that. So you've got this kind of brewing on, on, on one side. On the other side, you've got a situation where just when you think you, you're out of the storm when it comes to injuries, you start picking up significant injuries to your most significant players. And anybody in the world can tell me this, you cannot win a league title if you're constantly changing your positions every week, which the Liverpool have done every, every single week. So there's that to contend with as well. The front forward front, when you look at that front three, it didn't exist, what, a couple of weeks ago, right? So you've got all of these situations coming to roost, you know, and I think that it, that's what culminated in, in the pitch, you know, and that's why, give him credit, he took responsibility for that defeat because ultimately he knew that he it was him trying to uh, stop a sinking ship, as, as you will. And, and that is what we are in right now. This is the end game of FSG, right? This is the end game of Moneyball. This is the end game of the sporting directors of the past where we picked out the players and we had a plan. This is the end game. Until we get new people that come through the door and give us a future, this is going to be more and more turbulent times, in my opinion. And I actually think, again, I stress, I still think that for big games, these players will turn up. 
when, and probably Champions League, to be honest with you. That's the only thing I think they care about. But overall, don't be surprised if Liverpool do a Chelsea um, when they sack Mourinho and finish 10th or something as low as that. That's what I see. That performance, it gives me... That, that, that is what I see with the players. That's what I see with the manager, the coaching, all the news that surround it. We, 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 and we ignore it and we ignore it well. But reality struck, and that's why when he said, I didn't see it coming, it wasn't the fact that he didn't necessarily see a beating coming, that they were going to lose, but more the fact that the, what, the way we just fell apart on that pitch looks like the end game for me. Um, it, it kind of segues into the Super Chat, amazingly. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? We didn't even have an agenda or structure today, but we've, it's been wickedly worked out. Luck, lucky, eh? Um, Nat Raj, who's a Man United fan, because I remember he comes on the call-in show. He says, I don't think you guys can recover from this because the people behind the scenes who helped you scout the players are gone, Michael Edwards and Cole. Um, is he right, Kev? Um, is he right? What is he? What is he? Th- uh, sorry, Conroy. I'll come to Conroy first. Um, is, is he like Man United fan? People from that side of the club knew about how we worked, how we operated, the unity the togetherness, the organisation, everything. Has he got a point that we seem a broken club? And like we spoke about last week, where I think it's from the top and what Keith alludes to, the uncertainty throughout the, the, the levels. Throughout the levels of the club, there's uncertainty everywhere from the top and now it's emanating right to the bottom, which is the pitch. We need some clarity in every sense. No, absolutely. I mean, not to do a comparison about other industries, but if you know you talk about most workplaces will have a top-down management um, like culture. They try to, especially take a health and safety example, but usually that's what you try to do. You know, from, the management comes from their top-down. You know, so everyone follows the same culture and in, in the place. So if you if your uncertainty starts at the top, then it's going to filter down. And I think by now we questioned it a few times, but I think it's we spoke about it last week. I think it's very obvious now. But again, I feel like that's a factor, but it's not an overriding excuse to Grizz because, again, other teams have issues, but they do not capitulate. I feel like sometimes as Liverpool fans, it's like, oh, this is because of this, it's because of that, that's why we're here. But at the end of the day, we're 10th, or we're 9th, 10th, one of them, right? We're one of them. It's like other teams can find ways to, to make it more difficult and they're not getting opened up that easily. So I feel like... You have to look at yourselves at times. It has to look at why we're doing that. And but on that overriding point, of course, I think it's a really good point. It's definitely going to affect everybody. Yeah. Um, but again, there's there's levels, Grizz. Missing the top four is one thing. Finishing 12th is another thing. There's There's got to be levels. You, I mean, you said the Chelsea comparison, Keith. Give me another comparison where that's happened. I can't. And the Chelsea one was firmly because of what Mourinho done uh, and the culture he created. What's our excuse? At the moment, yeah. what was our excuse? The players, the players. If you put those eleven players out, they're good enough to get results. Let's okay. Take the Brighton game away. They're good enough to to get results away to Brentford. They're they're good enough to get results. So it's how they're operating and how they're playing. And I think you can say mental, physical fatigue. Okay, whatever. I feel like that was always going to be used at one point in the season, though, because it's it's what we do sometimes. We just okay. Yes, definitely. But other teams play lots of matches. Luis Diaz, Luis Diaz played 60 matches last year, right? That can only be to a certain extent. But if we finish 14th, 13th or 14th, that's, 
there's got to be le- there's got to be acceptable le- levels of a, a downfall. And right now, I feel like we're breaking our own records. To be perfectly honest, um, and I, I don't know. Just I went on a bit there, but yeah, overall, it's going. To be the team. Sorry, no, I appreciate that. Sorry, you, Chelsea, you mentioned Chelsea's Conrad. Absolutely right. That that is the exact almost comparison, if you will, in terms of a club that have literally kind of got themselves into turmoil with players that are more than world class enough to be winning football matches on their day and not be in that position. I think that that like you said before, there should always be you always to try to find solutions, and it is a factor. But I think it becomes more of a factor in our case because I believe that. We are up for sale, haven't been sold in yet. Everything around us seems to be like, you know, changing, but there's no real direction going forward. And Chelsea, when they lost Roman Abramovich, had a similar situation coupled together with injuries and then coupled together ultimately, and this is where I agree with your point, on players that should know better, right? Players that should know better, players that should be able to ride themselves out of the storm. But at the moment, they're showing that they, 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 you know, they're, they're not up for that kind of challenge, at least challenging for the Premier League or even challenging for top four by the looks of it. No, no, Keith, mm. I think that's a good point. But see, see, this this, this is the kind of philosophy we have, though. It's like riding the storm, press and doing that. How about just using your intelligence of being a footballer and understanding how to control certain moments and momentums in games? Like, it, you don't always, it's not always, I'm a warrior and we're going to do this and we're going to, like, outpace them. It can sometimes just be using your knowledge of being a top footballer, or at least that's what it should be. Or we may be seeing now that that's not the case with a lot of these players. And it's like, we work in this system, but when it comes to actually managing the game yourself, maybe I'm being too reactionary aware of that. But I, I, honestly, I think like some people are saying, oh, we're going to win number seven. I'm telling you right now, we will not get the ball off Real Madrid's midfield. We'll not get the ball off them because every one of those midfielders are elite at controlling a game. That's one thing we are horrendous at at the moment. And I just, mm. just to me... I don't know, I'm not going on too much. I, I, just Cab's point about the patterns of play, the more I think about that, how long is how long has Deserbi been at Brighton? Four months, five months? Obviously Potter instilled like good play as well and, and to do that. But I watch so many teams and I feel like they work on patterns of play. I feel like our patterns of play is give it to Trent or give it to Robbo down that side or we'll try a ball over or we'll just slow it from back, spread across the one side to the other and we'll find a gap or a bit of individual brilliance. I don't feel like I see Brighton, they bring it in so they can set Matoma, Matoma away that side or switch it in March early. I don't see us doing it. I don't, I'm sure we do, but to me, I, every time I watch other teams who, who are being impressive, I feel like I see more for them. If they take a week off, I feel like I can see what they've worked on. I can never see what Liverpool have worked on when they've ever had a break, to be perfectly honest, but specifically <laughs> that season. Well, we discussed uh, that, well, we discussed that, didn't we? Do you remember we said that the, the Dubai trip was all based on working on tactical plans, maybe going back to basics, we said, uh, and our basics is energetic, high gegenpressing or organisation, making it hard for teams. Kev, mm. what are they... What are, what have they been doing in Dubai? Have they been just sitting there smoking shisha like like Keith has? <laughs> They've been like playing word, playing word or Gris. I don't know. <laughs> because it's because it's the it, because is it worse, lads, than what we yeah, saw yeah. before yeah, the World Cup? It's worse now. Well, and that's crazy. Is it yeah, worse, man. lads? I mean, Keith. Conway, Cav. Yeah. So is it it's worse? So but you know what's so crazy about this whole season as well is that it's been worse it's been terrible but yet at the same time Liverpool 
score goals, right? This team has managed to score goals this season and has managed to be so chaotic and so mental that we don't really have structures or patterns of play. We don't have anything like that, but we still have the ability to make games happen. Uh, the Brighton team, like if we could to look at everything on this particular Brighton game, I think would be a tad harsh because of what we put out in terms of the forward lines that we had available. So I think there is a, a, a sense that Liverpool can at least, you know, give a game of it, if, if you will. But currently at this moment in time, this, in terms of what we have, in terms of the structure, once we out of the possession, this is the worst I've ever seen Liverpool mm-hmm. ever, Gen- out of all, ever. Well, you know, are you saying? Are you saying ever, 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 like, or, or, or under Klopp, under Klopp, ever, ever. I, I, under Klopp, because Klopp came with the gig and um, uh, to Liverpool, but it almost feels like you know when the Brendan Rodgers style of football started to fade out and teams started to catch us and figure us out and start to really kill us. The way that we press, it seems like teams have just figured that out, and and yeah. that for me is where we really are. That and, and and once we get picked apart, teams go through us now. Have you noticed these days? Teams go through us, like mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, they get into our box. They, you know, they have chances in our box. Touches, touches in the box must have increased tenfold for the statisticians out there. It's easy to get through us. We, we are still dangerous, but that shows for nothing in the end, in my opinion. If we don't have the players in the front lines to play, uh, Miata Sharif says, "If we finish tenth, what do we do and feel <laughs> discuss?" Kev, what do we what do we do if we finish out the top five outside the top four? Let's just say, and it's a yeah. very strong possibility. I'm not giving up, but I'm on the verge, and I'm I consider myself fairly positive. Mm. But if we do finish out the top four, the ramifications are huge. Mm-hmm. So therefore, how do you see us getting out of this rut? There's a transfer window that's open. There's the ownership that, guys, I know many of you, probably 75, 80, no, probably 95% of you are here for any takeover chat. I promise you it's coming in the next segment. But, Kev... Tomorrow, what, tomorrow night on Grass Cat. <laughs> what, what, what do we do now? What do we do now to get out of this? Because this, the ramifications, again, like Keith said, coming out of the top four is mad. Yeah, well, first and foremost, what we have to acknowledge, because we've spoke a lot about tactics tonight, we have to put some accountability on these players. Because for me, and Klopp said it himself, that's one of the worst games ever. Not just in Liverpool ever, but by any team. And I agree. I think the, I think these players are playing like a relegation side that aren't playing for their manager. And the reason they're not playing for their manager is because their manager knows that he's not going anywhere. So they don't have to play. They don't have to fight for him. They don't have to show it. They just have to listen to what he says and try and do it. But unfortunately, what he's saying isn't working. So they're caught between a rock and a hard place, aren't they? The only time I've seen a little bit of it was when Robbo got that huddle together at the end of one of the towards the end of one of the games and tried to rally the troops. Not seeing anything like that. Not seeing anything like that. I'm not sure. Not. Do you know what I think it is? I think we're all sitting here going, we know that Fabinho can't run anymore. We know that Henderson can't. We know that Trent. His output's not been great this season. And we can't, he's been good since he's come back from the World Cup. We can't dismiss the guy who wasn't tracking back or running before the World Cup. Mane's gone. He was a key in the press. You've got Nunes, who's all energetic, but it's missed chances. You know, these players will know it as well. They'll be looking at the team sheets. They'll be looking in the game. And things that were just happening instinctually before aren't happening anymore. 
and they're being told to play the same way and they're like, I can't play the same way, but I have to believe in the system. I have to believe in my manager. But deep down, they know they can't do it. So I think they're just struggling when they're out on the pitch. I think that's why you don't see them get angry or annoyed. It's just like, I just have to trust the process when deep down they know that the process ain't right for them anymore. And then they probably feel like how as fans do when we think about how's it going to change? How do we get up from ninth position? And you, and you look and you think, the only thing we kind of have to hang our hats on at the minute is that we do have players coming back from injury at some point. So when, I think Diaz is done for the season, but although he's been not great this season, Virgil coming back will help. Jota coming back will help. You know, Nunes being back will help. And I think that's all they can kind of, as his fans and the players, I think that's all they can rely on is players coming back and helping them out and things just beginning to click and build for a bit of momentum from there. Because it's quite obvious. Well, I say it's obvious, but it might just be a big bluff. I don't think we're going to get transfers in. And this is where I think Liverpool's situation is different to maybe United's before. When United's were in the mud, they'd always sign a big player or like a big name. And everyone knew it was like, oh, they're just signing the name. That's not going to work for them. But what it did is it just gave the, their fans just like a little bit of hope that that might work, that that might be a catalyst for change. Whereas there's no catalyst for us. We're not getting transfers. We're not getting, we don't know what's going on with the ownership. The players we have now are the players that are either going to finish ninth this season or get us into the top four. And they've been playing poor and the tactics are poor. So what do we have to, to, to have hope in? All we, is that it will just simply change and click one week or that the players coming back will help this squad. And that's all we have to go off at the minute. And to be, I'll be totally honest with you, we could finish ninth. I, I I don't think I don't think the way we're playing at the minute, we get top four. I don't know what changes to get us that. We could finish anywhere between ninth and fourth right now. And and I agree with Conroy without being too much of a, a downer. If it weren't if we if we didn't have Real Madrid in the Champions League, I'd totally get your point, Keith. Anfield Knights back. Yeah, that would rally the troops for knockout competitions. But that first test of Real Madrid is just a killer. We needed an easier tie just to get through, and then we could have them nights. I don't think we get past Real Madrid at this stage, to be honest with you. We're coming to the to the, uh, to the the end of the show, and I'm going to give um, my opinion on the takeover stuff in the next few minutes, guys. Uh, if you could all smash a like button for that and for the effort that these guys are putting for talking about Liverpool Football Club right now, we'd absolutely love and appreciate that. So smash a like button right now. A couple of super chats before we get into that, Keith. He says, Jack says, team was built around the idea that centre midfielders cover the fullback, stop transitions, ensures compactness, etc. Now the central midfielders can't do it. The team can't function. Mm. Pretty much fact, right, Keith? Uh, 100%. 100% fact. I think it's... But again, uh, the, the, the team was also built on the front three being able to press and be compact and then be able to fill in um, in situations where they lose the ball. You know, the situation with Chamberlain yesterday when the keeper would clip it over into the... Again, I, I think was, you're I think you're really annoyed with Oxlade-Chamberlain. Uh, so you mentioned him four times. <laughs> it kept him over, right? But, but in terms of just the general whole idea of, of, of how we press off the ball and, and how we defend off the ball, it, it, it's just completely no. The, 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 it, it has to be instructions. Like we talk about the center midfielders covering the fullbacks to stop transitions. We have the situation where Thiago was so far up the pitch that we only had Henderson and Fabinho in the midfield yesterday. So it's yeah. all instructions at the end of the day. And and if the team's not functioning, then that's down to clock, right? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, one last super chat. Um, okay, the Man United fan, Nat Raj says, Fergie used to consistently switch and refresh his backroom staff to keep things fresh. That's why United was able to go for titles for so many years. Um, we've pretty much done that as well, Conroy, or not enough refreshing of... We've Obviously, we've not done enough of the playing staff, but is it equally as important to do the, the backroom staff as well? I, I, I just think it is. Um, I think that's... It's not a coincidence to probably say... You've got Guardiola, he's changed his background staff a few times, and obviously Fergie. I think it was he kind of writes the passage with Alec Ferguson as well. Like you had Steve McLaren, Brian Kidd, uh, Carlos Quiros, Walter Smith. Like it wasn't seen as a you're there for the full term, you're there for maybe a bit, bring your, your style, a different voice, and then move on. But let's be honest, I was listening to you guys earlier on, on the dog walk, uh, you and Cav and, and Bill on the call, and a uh, really good show. but uh, what I had to say was, I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe, like I'm, I'm off. I love Klopp, but it's like maybe we could do, you know, getting rid of a maybe background staff, someone else coming in instead of, you know, Pep Linders, uh, um, Kravitz. But the thing is, you know what Klopp's like, and his strengths. I think he said his strengths and his weakness kind of come into the same when it, when it's that factor of he's loyal to those who've been with him. So I, I, I could never see him actually getting rid of a backroom staff, to be honest, unless they obviously forced their way out. But I hope I'm wrong. And that actually, I do think it's a very good point, a very good super chat. We've mentioned it before, but I'd be very surprised mm. if that happened. Uh, and the last one, unless we get any more, uh, Cav, we should go three back, back three against uh, Wolves on Tuesday or we'll lose. Why not? Back three. <laughs> Why not? Without <laughs> <laughs> back three, <laughs> back three, play the kids. I, honest to God, we're at a point where just play whatever the wild card is, play it because this ain't working. So just give something a go. The, the time for snobbery is gone now, and I actually don't think a back three is snobbery at all not to play it because we've actually had. We're not in any position. You're right, Con. We're not in any position no. to be snobbish about anything right now we need to football is a humbler and we need to bring back that humility from the top to the very bottom i mean it and i keep saying it bring back the humility bring back the desire and the energy and the passion and of course the players new players refresh the players we'll be back i'm pretty certain of that um, Albert said, remember VVD said they were expecting new players. I think he was himself referring to the, to the Gakbo deal. But um, but obviously, Virgil van Dijk also said something about, do you remember people asked him about the ownership situation? And then, of course, there's been so much chat on, on uh, Twitter today um, with so many accounts tweeting in arabic it's so funny let me take this off actually because i want to see come in it's brilliant i love i love social media it's amazing um so here's the state of play as far as i think or i know or i'm guessing or i'm waffling oh, or whatever i won't i won't believe what this guy says do you know what i mean so 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 for example um january the 10th which was last tuesday i tweeted no talks because there was rumors about the owners of psg qatari um uh, QS, QSI being in, uh, interested in, in purchasing Liverpool or, in, sorry, in, investing in Liverpool. Um, I spoke to the dinner lady at, at Liverpool and she said no talks between LFC and 
Qatar Sports Investment, the PSG owners, with reference to sale or minority investment. I think it was probably, I think they admitted that or they came out and said so in the, in the days following that tweet. But then I also said, but definite talks with other private strategic partners from Qatar who are funded by the QIA, which is completely something completely different. If people want to do their own research, go and do your research on QIA. Uh, it's completely different. I'm not going to give a lecture on something that I haven't fully done my own research on. Um, so today, in the last couple of days, sort of, um, especially today, guys, guys, I'm on a different page. So if there's any super chats or anything, let me know, right? Just start off for me. Um, so today, basically, loads of rumours and hearsay about Liverpool is sold, Liverpool is done. Um, we have new owners. Um, as I said, loads of bless um bless all the people tweeting in arabic and then the replies in arabic is brilliant i've just seen a magnificent tweet magnificent tweet and it's from um a good adversary of mine we've had our fallouts in the last seven years a person called dave hendrick um who recently i've kind of settled my differences with and we speak now uh, we're on speaking terms. In fact, we're a little bit further than speaking terms. We've actually decided to do a podcast together, which is actually rocked uh, Liverpool <laughs> social media. Because really we, like Tim Westwood pressed that button. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's actually, it's actually uh, quite mad. Um, but here's what it is. He's done a magnificent tweet. He's just tweeted something in Arabic and everyone's gone into Google Translate and seen what it says. And he actually says, Henderson is shit. <laughs> it translates it. to Henderson shit so look oh. fantastic stuff people going mad as far as I'm concerned or understand or know or dreaming or making up you already know the rules when, when I say something you take it for what you want to take it for as far as I know further talks are scheduled for next week ignore the rumours of done deal um, I believe we are in advanced talks um Obvious reasons I can't reveal who, uh, but I believe we are in advanced talks and I believe Liverpool will be sold. Um, of course, people are going to go mad and start asking for time scales and all that kind of stuff. Um, no one can really sit here and tell you a time scale, but I believe and I'm of the opinion that the Liverpool sale will be done I'd say 95% before the summer. Um, I'd even say before that. So let's see how it goes. It's not completed. It's not done. Um, I was waiting all day to, to do this show and, and sort of share what I think and what I know. I'm not trying to be a sort of, you know, calming the masses of the Liverpool fan base. No, I'm just telling you what I think, uh, what I've been told and take from it what you want. Um, as I said, Obviously, I can't reveal the parties involved, but I think I've, from my side, I've made it pretty clear who I think is involved. Um, but it's not QSI, the owners of PSG. That's what you've got to remember. Uh, but there is a lot of interest. Um, people are talking about, oh, no one's interested in Liverpool. They didn't get the response they wanted. They absolutely effing did. There's over 80 inquiries for Liverpool Football Club. We are a franchise. We are a global institution. Uh, clubs like Liverpool don't come up for sale very often, and it's uh, as I said last week. It's a f it's a it's a deal circa four billion. It's not like ordering 
a four pound meal on Just Eat with two ninety nine delivery charges involved here and a couple of clicks of buttons. So, yeah, let's see how that one develops, guys. Um, I don't know if you guys want to speak on that and give your opinions on my opinion. And, you know, if you want to excited by it or not excited by it, this is where we're at, we're at, I think. I think people need to be patient a little bit more. And, and then we'll see. I think I think Jurgen Klopp expected it to be processed quicker than it has been. And I think he's showing it in his demeanour. Mm. And his sort of rattiness, because I think obviously it's not coinciding with the January window, which he was expecting. Um, but I believe it will happen very, very soon. I, I've been actually told, and I'm going to just say it, I don't give a shit, because you know how I roll. Here's what it is, come for me. I've been told that we expect to be um, completed within the next two months, 56 days. Um, so... Watch this space. Let's see what happens. Um, guys, is there anything else before I check the supersets that you start for me? While I check mm -hmm. them out, if there's anything else that you want to add or subtract. It's going to be really interesting, I think, in terms of um, how we play it from an FFP perspective. Because if the case may be that the, the sale or deal is agreed, then I can't see us making any more signings this, this winter, this January winter at all. I actually think if the club is that close to being sold, they'll do so, do something similar to what Newcastle did, right? Which I think their last, they, they made profit in their last transfer sale and it allowed them to spend X amount more because of FFP. So that's my kind of take on it in terms of if it is as close as you're saying it is, then we're going to have a lot more short-term pain in dealing with some of our issues for sure because I don't think we're going to sign another midfielder. But... Mm. Exciting times all the same, do you know? I was, it's just, um, you can only go so long with the a concept of money ball before everybody else gets the same technology with more money, and that's exactly the world of football today. Mm. Um, okay, so we've got a couple of super chats that are telling us about uh, the, the Anfield talk, good friends of the show and channel on Twitter. Uh, let me just find that, guys, while you guys, um. I don't know if you want to go through the other super chats if it's possible. One of you, maybe. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, so we've got oh, another God. super chat here. Hey, Samuel Twitter. Um, um, thanks for the super chat. How did Klopp not see that we need new midfielders? I understand LFC are cheap, um, but he has to act like a big manager, and our midfield is dead. Um, Cal thoughts on that? I feel like we tend to. I agree that we all we've been speaking for the last two months that we need midfielders, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, anything else to add in that, Cav? Well, what I would say is I think after the uh, after the Brighton game, I'm not sure who the interviewer was, but it was a post match interview, and he was asked a pretty direct question that, and he and it was highlighted two names, Fabino and Henderson. He said they're not what they used to be, were they? And he kind of answered it by saying. I understand why you ask these questions now and it's up to us to to stop you asking them questions, i.e. if they play better and we play better, you don't need to ask these questions. Bit of a deflection. But then he was kind of asked again and he he, he didn't address the point, but what he was saying was a bit, to me, was a bit of an admittance like, yeah, I know these guys can't do it anymore. That was my take, having watched the interview. So I think now, if he was loyal before... And he was just trying to give them time to play into form. 
you know, because you do need to give guys time. You know, you can have bad games and bad form, and you should, you know, if you if you've got class, you'll you'll play yourself out of it. Um, I think he's get. I think he's probably at the point now, just going from that interview and other bits I've seen, that he's an acceptance that yeah, the guys that he was, his generals, his reliables, they can't do it anymore, and and they're not going to be the guys he can rely on in the future. So if I, he... I think he's Sorry. come round. Yeah, no, I, just, yeah. I think I think the point we are, to be honest, we are. Yeah, if if he hasn't, if he hasn't, then he has no defense mm. going forward. Like literally as well. If you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right? You get what I mean, Valley. Um, yo, what's good? Sends in a super chat. It says Grizz Escaso. Not much. Not much, not much as good right now. Not much. Yeah. Um, not much. Big up. He says Casado has he slipped from our grasp. I believe um, if Chelsea come in for him, like they're rumoring in for, then he will be gone because we are a stalemate with Casado as far as I know. The price they're asking for, which is circa 75 million. We're just not willing to invest that right now. Uh, we're willing to wait for him in the January. I know you, people don't want to hear that. Um, and if Chelsea pay that, like Chelsea have been paying every clause, every fee, every wage, doing what they need to do, then uh, they'll get him, unfortunately. Um, my understanding is we haven't given up. My understanding is Casado would prefer Liverpool. But that's all I've... Know what I can say at the moment. He's, about what, he's worked under Potter, hasn't he? Before last season, so. But yeah, but know. I mean, he's worked for Potter, but it's still Potter versus Klopp, ain't it? I mean, we should. No, be no, 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 no. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is, I mean, like, I'm not saying if like that's the reason, but I think if Chelsea outbids, put a bigger bid in, and then he says like, I don't think he's going to like dig his heels and not to go he's to Chelsea. Be on, he's not going to be unhappy with going Chelsea. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. obviously, yeah. It's, it, but it's so frustrating, like. It's so frustrating because we, not me, but you guys, Cav and Grizz, a lot of shows you've, you spoke about on the the chat last night about Genie Wijnaldum, and like how that was so that type of player was so impactful, and 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 we've actually learned to appreciate that even more now since he's left. Well, Casado, literally, I'm not saying he's the, the reincarnation of that, but he's so much, so many similarities, and also like I think his through ball is actually a bit underrated as well. It would suit us to a T right now. So again, it's another missed opportunity. I, um, yeah, I mean, the more we talk about it, the more depressed we're going to get. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those ones. Uh, you guys already know what I think of him and how much I highly rate him. So it's just a position we find ourselves in now. And I think the frustration showing, unfortunately, in Jurgen Klopp in his press conference as well when he gets asked about it. Um, James Lambert says, Lambo Schmidt, what a name. Uh, top reds are in denial. Yes, in Iron Denial, yes, men, it hurts. Owners that... <coughs> okay, uh, James, I really appreciate and really support... Sorry, loved your support. I really appreciate you tuning in and watching our shows, my shows, and Conroy and everyone else. But this top red term, uh, save it for Twitter or whatever, or other channels, mate. I don't... I'm not going to read out any future super chats when top reds are involved. Because I just think it's a it's a stupid definition of nothing. Um, really, it's just a nothing nothing um, term. Yeah, we don't we don't need a divide in the fan base. You what? Everyone's one voice, isn't they? Like, say your part, have your piece. I don't. Understand what's the fucking I'm top red? Yeah, what's the top red? Like, I, I'd be proud to be a top red if it means like uh, I'm a I'm a brilliant uh, Liverpool supporter. But yeah, I, I, you know, but I appreciate and I understand and. 
Thank you. But anyway, um, owners that invest less money than all your rivals, even some mid-table teams are nowhere near good enough. Yeah, look, the, the, the facts are there. They they had a... You're, you're mute, mute, brother. Mute. Sorry, Sorry I, think that's, I think that's a bit of a fallacy, to be honest, because our rivals who are currently competing for trophies and there's a big buzz about them have not won trophies in over a decade. So, you know, there's like... As much as we are in this bad period at this moment in time, X, Y, and Z, to suggest that you know, we're not on our rivals' levels. It's not about investing anymore. Everybody's got money. I think that's the one thing to remember. Everybody's got money. You look at the, everyone's praising Fulham, right? Fulham are owned by the Khans. Go research about Khan. Tony Khan, he owns a wrestling company that competes against WWE. They, um, his dad owns the Jaguars. Um, they're billionaires, right? They've got so much. Everybody's got money. So it's, it's about making the right investments at the right time. And I think... Liverpool actually, over the last year or two, their investments, their, their choices in transfer decision making has to be questioned. Something that we once praised heavily does have to be looked at in the decisions we've made on certain players. Yes, the investment could have been more, et cetera, et cetera. But look at the purchases we made over the last couple of years. That's where I'd question it. Sorry for the rant. But I thought, good question in terms of, of, of that. But I think... It's not necessarily about having money anymore and just spending it. You've got to pay by the right players. Conroy, anything you want to subtract or uh, add to Keith's little mini rant? I disagree with bits of it, but I can't be bothered. I'm too tired. I'm going to let him off. Yeah, no, no, no I think it's like, you know, there's definitely points in that that I agree with uh, as well. But I feel like it's, um, again, it comes back to my point um, earlier, which is kind of, um, yeah, kind of vague point. But in general, a couple of years ago, we were fearful after the Champions League final. Um, at the time, I didn't actually know, think it was that bad a move, you know, signing Vanderberg and it was at Harvey Elliott. But there's been plenty of opportunities and plenty of time to rectify that, to continue to to compete with people around you. And I think that that super chat as well, saying that, like, you know, you've got mid-table teams who can spend this now. I feel like there's been a, a long time for us to, to make sure we had a contingency plan or players in place for the eventual uh, regression of some players. And we've just not done it. As you say, one midfield in four and a half years. Now, again, that, that was my, be my view on it. And uh, I can understand at the moment, Keith, I get what you're saying, you've got Newcastle coming as well. You've got teams who haven't necessarily won the trophies. But with regard to our planning, we've just... It's, it's, it's like it's a bit like the the thing you thought, no, this surely can't happen because it's so obvious it's going to happen. Like, it's so obvious that it's an issue and we've just let it roll out till it's actually apparent now that this is where we are. This was the worst case scenario and we've arrived here. This is us, we're here now and we're playing catch up. And if you hear right, it's maybe never as bad as you think it is or it's not, and it's never as good as it as you think it is at the time. But I do think with regard to the state of our, especially our midfield right now, maybe 400 million is a bit like, you know, of a stretch, you know, 300, 400 million. Like maybe a bit of a stretch, still going to cost a lot of money to, to rebuild where we want to be. And that's just um, just a bit disappointing, to be honest, because you get on a perch and you want to stay in the perch. I think you said it last night, Cav. It's one thing getting there, which is very impressive, but staying on top is just as hard. And we've seen other people. Look at Arsenal. Look at what happened to Arsenal. We're not talking about Arsenal right now because they let themselves regress. Look at United. Probably more the planning behind the scenes. It's so easy to do, and we just let it happen. And that's the most disappointing thing for me, to be honest. Mm. Uh, James comes back with a, uh, without using the term that we don't like. Thank you. Appreciate that. He says, complete overhaul needed if we're serious. 
Tyler Adams, Mateus Nunes, plus Jude Bellingham. Two gems and one world-class player. Um, Cav, um, yeah, I think those three would be an absolute dream. Um, I think any, <laughs> I think anyone right now would would improve. get Ward Prowse in a contract right now. If Southampton go down, get Ward Prowse in that team. Okay. I could do with a free kick saving us now and again. To be honest, yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> Cav, complete overhaul needed, and I think, I think to a man, woman, cat, dog, uh, cup of tea, fridge, no one would argue. Uh, in midfield. Yes, 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 and no. Yes, okay. we need we need three, probably three players, maybe two for a starting. If you was to do a start eleven and guarantee they played every week, big games, Premier League, Champions League, you'd need two in there because I think Thiago's fine. I think he's not played well, but I think he'll he'll be okay. Albeit he's probably not got long left in his career. Um, you need your backups to stay fit and, and offer and be, be of a quality. I do get that. But I think at the point we're at, it's probably a point that, you know, Arsenal won't say, like Conrad said, Chelsea probably been at, United been at, they were like, we need to dash everyone and start again. The reality is you probably don't. You just need to tweak your system slightly, get the right players in to play the right position, make sure they stay fit. And then the likes of Henderson can be used for half an hour at the end of a game. Fabinho can be dropped into the odd game here and there. And you start to use these players for what the where they're at in their careers, basically. You know, get get if you get three people in that midfield and you've got Fabinho behind them, Henderson behind them, Thiago behind them, and then you've got Elliot and Carvalho and Jones, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. The forward line actually has quality in it. It's just unfortunate Diaz and Jota are out and Nunes. You know, you probably need an extra body there. When you say overhaul, you probably need three, maybe four. It's a 25-man squad, so I'm not sure if overhaul is is the right terminology. You know, it probably outweighs it. It's, it's well, significant. Well, Vincent, well Vincent, Vincent says I'd say six minimum. <laughs> uh, all others are useless. You could... Vincent, you could be right. We just have to see. We don't know. I, I just see. I just see now. I look. At, I looked at that United performance against Man City, and I thought it previously. And I looked at someone like Fred, and I'm like, he did a job. He did well. McTominay, come on, and he did all right. He looked. He's he's okay for certain games, and I just think he's. There's no point. You can dash these players, but actually, they can play a part as long as you pick the right game and pick the right players around them and give them the right amount of time. That's. I think that's key. I wanted to ask you guys a question. I know we're all focusing on centre uh, centre midfielders, and I get that very, very apparent, especially after watching us this season so far. But can I can I suggest something now, guys? I'll start with you, Keith. Can I suggest we need a centre back in the summer yeah, as well? Hundred percent, you can suggest that. You can suggest that because how long left has Joe Gomez got on his contract? Is he... I think he just signed a new one. I just signed a new deal. Joe Matip just signed a new deal recently as well. No, Joe Matip is the one that's got one year left after this year. Yeah, so that it's, it's come to the end. I think it's the end of the road. So I think this is part of the 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 end game, if you will, because I think I think one, maybe even both, could be finding new clubs come the summer. If I'm honest, I, I this I I, I the. If VVD plays against Brighton, do we lose in such humiliating circumstances? Is- I think so. I think we do. Yeah? I, I, yeah, I honestly, think- I do, Keith. I honestly do. I, I, I don't know what you two want to add in that. Honestly, I VVD think- has been as bad as 
any one of them yesterday. He's he's made errors, but I think structurally, defensively, we're always a lot better with him on the pitch. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. From structural course, perspective yeah. and, and and a message. And so oh, yeah. I, I physically, like he's he's not been the colossus he once was, but I think he's still very much a case of very much in the club. Absolutely, two two centre backs we're going to be need. You say Oxley Chamberlain is out. Gone, 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 gone. You got Naby Keita. Gone. Out the door. So that's all. That becomes, I'd say, you're looking at what four play, three, maybe three, four play, well, three players minimum. Well, work um, it out, lads. This is it. Right? This is what we're friends are for. We sit around, we, t- we 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 debate Liverpool, and we try to work out numbers wise. Because what we got, what we got, we got Milner. Yep, James Milner. We got Ox. And we yep. got Naby that are definites gone. That's yeah. three definites, right? After as it that, stands, Bobby four. as well, because he's not. As signed. it stands, Bobby as well. That's four. As it stands, I, I've got a feeling we may extend, depending on the ownership situation and everything. I think Jurgen Klopp wants Bobby to stay, and he may get Bobby to extend. Again, I don't want to be sentimental and all that. Bobby is one of my favourite players in the Liverpool era, but I wouldn't be keeping him. But let's just say, but let's just say right now he's out because he hasn't signed the new deal. Naby's out, Ox is out, Milner's out. That's four players out. Matic looks absolutely finished. Physically, mentally, yesterday he was he was a nervous wreck. He wasn't his calm usual self. He was scared to tackle. There was no pace, energy, strength. And we've seen Virgil come back from a horrendous injury and not come back to his levels. Joe Gomez seems to have lost his total confidence and now it's seeping through to our one mighty gem young futuristic center back Konate who's looked shaky in the last couple of games because the whole structure and players and team around him are fucking up mm. 100% but then again a lot of these decisions I think are not going to be made till the summer this is my my kind of point in terms of I think, just think SSG have checked out as a club. They're selling. They're on that. They're, they're, they're selling the club. The club is being sold. So there's mm. going to be no no things in January. So there's going to be no real. I, they're not going to push for Caicedo and pay the kind of money when they know that they could ultimately have that money back, knowing that they're going to sell the club. So they're not going to make the overhaul. Sadly, yeah. I think the overhaul doesn't happen till the summer. And this is where I my where I'm really like having to embrace the gloom, if you will, and see what these players can pluck up from their ability. As as Conroy has said, sometimes it's about showing what you can do on the pitch. But in terms of any overhauls, I suppose mm-hmm. we're going to have to wait till the summer to find out. But there's a lot of places to be filled, so it could be exciting. Jono says, Grizz, we aren't signing eight new players in the summer, so I don't know why you're selling half our squad. Get really well, well, hold on, hold on. Let me answer that. Exactly. I, you know, I like people that make comments without listening and watching the show. Like, I, I genuinely baffled. Like They sit there and they hear one word or two words and then they work out what I meant by that. Where have I sold anyone? A, I'm not in a position to sell anyone. Where have I suggested selling all of them? Me? I've just said they are out of contract. As of now, Naby, Ox, Bobby Firmino, Milner will all be out of contract as of now and haven't agreed new deals. Mm-hmm. So please, sir, with all due respect, I know you're a long-time listener and watcher. Um, apologies for the term, mate. Absolutely no issues whatsoever, my friend. Uh, see, it's just a misunderstanding, and people sometimes use it in the heat of the moment, and everyone else is using it. And you're a broken man. So are we, sir. So are we. Missing out on top four is the best reality check for not spending and being way too sentimental. What do you think about that, Con? 
kind of it's one of those ones this this tweets this message is kind of saying serves us right and kind of reality check type thing yeah I start think, a game yeah. Mm. yeah yeah i think it kind of falls in that other point i think it's a really good super chat i think to be honest what james says it's like it's, it's maybe that we just we fall failing so quickly like it is like falling off a, falling off a cliff and it is you know if you're maybe let's say the most positive liverpool fan going even they are probably like oh no nah, there's there's obviously something not right at the moment so i would definitely say that it's i'll be honest i know you're saying missing out but i think that's already done guys i'm gonna lie because as keith said like you know there's um it's highly unlikely now or it's unlikely we're going to get anyone in. And I think, I'm not saying it's going to solve all the issues, but a midfielder would help right now. It's, 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 it's putting a plaster on a cut, but, you know, it still works a little bit and it still helps at the, mo at the moment. But I do think, um, I can't see us getting it. And I know sometimes we're a bit pessimistic, but I just, I feel like from what I'm seeing, even if it improves a bit, there's going to be a few defeats like um, the, the Brighton game or the Brentford game in the future. So I feel like, that will happen and that will, yeah, it will. It'll probably be maybe a shock to the system for Klopp, but he's a smart enough man to know if we keep playing this way, other teams are not idiots. Like, other teams don't play to your strengths. They play to your weaknesses. Like, this is something that's always got to me. It's like, you should never have a go at how other teams play because your job is to beat them. Their job is to stop you. It's why it's a competition. It's why it's a sport. So, for me, I think that probably will have further effects. But it kind of falls into what Keith said. If the club's already sold, are we kind of just coasting at the moment until that deal's done? Maybe. But yeah, honestly, guys, I just yeah, I just I'm I'm as as we're talking here and thinking, I'm in my head thinking, what can we do positionally, tactically, in this time to change it? And I just I feel like the next game's going to happen. What is it? Wednesday, Tuesday. 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 Like you'll probably do a preview, Grizz, and you'll you watch it and you'll probably be like, this is what we could do. And then the team sheet will come out and it'll probably be a 4-2-3-1, 4-4-3, whatever, 4-4-2. But that's one thing. But when you watch the game, we'll probably still try to press and press and press like that the same way and the same things will happen. So, um, Do you know what? Just, just to add to that super chat about complacent and thinking that we're just going to guarantee top four. Do you know what's a killer? Is one of the greatest moments in our history when Ali scored that header and we went on to get third in an injury hit season. It's probably going to come back to buyers because they're going to look at that and go, You've done it before, just do it again. And you're like, No, that, that was a miracle. That what it was because there. so many things went for us. No one talks about that. Like, see, it wasn't just that. I think lots of the other teams around us absolutely yeah. fell off a cliff with their form as well. It wasn't, it was like, we had Alisson in the last minute. There were so many things because of other people that it wasn't yeah. in our hands. We just got lucky or to a certain extent. It's like, that doesn't happen nine times out of 10. Like, Alisson doesn't score a header at West Brom away in the last minute. Like, so you're, you're spot on, Cav. The problem um, is, is that all the other teams now have really got their act together. So, you know, we're not getting top four. We don't deserve to get top four. You look at the teams that are in the top four and seeing the results that they have and the runs that they go on. You know, Arsenal have lost one football match all season. Newcastle never conceded. They were top. magnificent today. They, right. Today was their litmus test. Away to Spurs, North London derby, awful record there. Home team North in North London derbies always wins. The pressure is on. They done what we done. Do you remember when we went away to Man United and smashed the shit out of them? Do you remember yeah, when yeah. we went to Arsenal and won? You know, do you remember when we went away to Chelsea and won? You know, this is what the, 
you know, and you got to say for sure now they're in a title race. But would some even say they're on a par with the City now in terms of favourite, or would we still say City? I think those two fixtures are quite important, Chris. See, because the yeah. one got cancelled. I think that's interesting now because that kind of puts a different dynamic. Because I watched the game earlier, but I would also add, fair play, I spoke to Bilal, I think Arsenal done well today. I mean, Tottenham w- were very poor, but Arsenal done well. That's what they had to do. But Newcastle have won at Spurs. We've won at Spurs. Arsenal, I know it's North London Derby. They've done really well today. Odegaard, everyone was moaning when they signed him. Again, a good sign, and we could have looked into that. Never even thought about it. That comes back, came back to bite us. He's probably going to win Player of the Year or be right up there. The thing is, though, um, with with Arsenal, I think the Man City two games is I think it's eight points right now. But if they lose both those games and they get, they get to two points, the thing is, someone said this earlier. I think, was it maybe you, Cav? Yesterday said when Man City are chasing a team, they're like no one else. They're robotic to a certain extent. And then also, Arsenal have never felt that pressure of having to win every game. Draws are useless. You, you're better losing and drawing the same. Draws are useless. So that's the only thing I would say. But if Arsenal get a big enough points, they, they could be fine. But if Man City are down your neck, and that's different pressure. That's like pressure that they wouldn't have experienced before. So that's where I'd kind of say. If they beat Man United next week, though, that's another big result at the Emirates. So we'll see what happens. Um, just a couple of super chats before we wind down. Adrian, contract is up. Kelleher will leave. Two goalkeepers needed. I think we have absolute full faith in Petaluka. Um, the Brazilian young goalkeeper who's on loan to Macclesfield yeah. for the season, I believe. And also Harvey Davis. Two young and up-and-coming keepers that we absolutely think are destined for the top. So, therefore, Adrian, thank you very much, uh, for your time and efforts being in and around the squad and a lovely team member to everyone. Um, and Kelleher has been amazing and you can't begrudge him. He's just not getting a look in, obviously, and you can't imagine him getting a look in. So yeah. therefore, it would be more useful on having slightly younger range of keeper as a number two, as opposed to someone that's coming into his prime he'd like to play every week and you can't begrudge him. And he's probably, lads... God willing, we're not going to be a sell-to-buy policy going forward and a money ball or whatever, right? With the new owners. But Kelleher is one of our sellable assets. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but he is one of our sellable assets. Mate, I hopefully, we can... <laughs> hopefully, you know, this is the kind of investment that Liverpool ultimately have to have. That, you know, Grizz, just obviously you can't say much and stuff like that, but this, forget it, you know, yeah. idealism is dead, yeah, forget about all the airy-fairy stories of how money board, how the plucky teams, no, this is a billionaire's playground and we need to make sure that we get someone that can invest in us with their own money as a you know, consortium. So if, if Keller is on a plane to get a transfer somewhere and he gets, he finds out that there's been a takeover, you're going to, you're going to witness for the first time planes reversing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, guys. I mean, Allison, keepers can play for a long time. Like, I think it's different. I, Allison, quiz ages Allison, 30. He could play till he's 38. I, I think it's slightly different when it comes to keepers. I get what you're saying, but I can't see Kelleher in a looking for the next seven years, potentially. So, yeah, you're right. But hey, no, I get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but it's like, how much do you think Kelleher was worth, though? Chris, how, how much do you think he's worth? I, right I, now I, 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 I'm, I'm mad. I think 
No, I'm not mad. Why am I calling myself mad? I think realistically, we can get for him, in my humble opinion, around the 25 million mark in this current modern day and age. Well, Kepa went for 85. So don't thought, use that as a problem. Yeah, don't, yeah. yeah. don't use Chelsea. Don't use Chelsea as a problem. It's we know that. that. Right. I, I reckon you could get 40, 40 million for him. Yeah, no, not 40, 40, not 40, not 40. He doesn't play first team football in the Premier League. He doesn't play first team football in the Premier League. He's yeah, good with feet. Hold on, hold on. How much did Emmy Martinez go for? Aston, Arsenal to Aston Villa, because he wasn't their first goal, choice goalkeeper. People in the chat, slap us the answer to that ASAP. Uh, while we do that, uh, Tahir sends in a super chat. He says, if FSG are selling Liverpool... If FSG are selling Liverpool, they are. I don't think they would buy players or put any more money into Liverpool. We just have to wait for new owners. What can I say? I don't know. I don't know for sure. What do you think, guys? Yeah, would they likely to spend their money or the club's money? See, this is the people... People need to understand how this works. Um, and I'm not sure I'm the best person to explain it. But it's not their money. Do you get what I mean, guys? I don't know if anyone wants to help yeah. me here. Like, I'm looking well, at you all in the eye and no one's willing to help yeah. me here. It's yeah, the club's no, no. money. Yeah. It's, it's the club's money. Whatever the club generates is in the club's accounts, and that's what they use to spend on transfers. FSG don't go into their personal account and put in for us to do transfers. And what I would say is, depending on how far we are down the line with a, with a takeover, part of the conversation will be assets and how much money is in the accounts. And if, if you're if you're going to buy players and take money out of that account, you at least have need to have told the buyer that that money is not there. So that might play a part in whether you spend it or you don't. Um, it seems to be the consensus that definitely above 20 million for Kelleher ranges up to around 35 million. Mm. I yeah, think that's he, reasonable. He can play with his feet as well. I think that's quite an important thing as well for keepers nowadays. Yep. Uh, Miata Sharif says Kelleher... Good, he could sign for Spurs. He needs game time. I mean, that's one of the, the main reasons. The only reason he'd leave Liverpool because he actually loves being there and we love having them. Uh, him. Uh, Musa says, <coughs> first thing that needs to be done is consequences for players. Henderson should be stripped of the captaincy. Liverpool need investing players and a medical team. Sick and tired of Chris Morgan. Um, Henderson shouldn't be um, playing in this Liverpool team week in, week out. I think, to a, again, to each one of us, we all agree with that. I don't think anyone will disagree with that. I'm not sure what stripping him of the captaincy will achieve now until the end of the season. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that. If you feel that way inclined, please feel free to say it and speak. I mean, I don't know what that would do, strip him of the cap captaincy. That's just more, that's just more drama. More in drama. Drama-filled season. I think it's the last thing we need to cause... In terms of in terms of the medical team and etc., hundred percent needs another. We've been brilliant and we've praised it for the last five six years, but now it does need. I don't know. Overhaul seems to be the the, the buzzword of tonight's show. Overhaul, overhaul, overhaul. But what's the word I'm looking for? You know, when you do a like a assessment, reassessment of the whole look, and there will be reevaluate, reevaluate. But it will be, Con, because when new owners come in, in any form of business, like Keith alluded to, when you get owners of any business or takeover or transfer of ownership or whatever, they assess everything from the top to the very bottom, just like 
in, in any walk of life and, and Liverpool Football Club would be no different. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, um, thank you very much. We must wrap it up there. We're coming up to probably one of the longest red fellas. We tried to keep it to about 90 minutes, but we had so much to get through, so much to, to speak on. And you guys, nearly a thousand of you, um, stayed with us to the very end, which is amazing and humbling as always. We're about 15 away from 500 likes, which is pretty good ratio. We'll take 50% of people liking us. What do you reckon? Very nice. You know, yeah, 50% like us. That's not bad. I'm sure yeah. more of you like us, but you're just being lazy and engrossed in the insight from Keith and, and the chat from Cav and the rants from Conroy. So, you know, now you've got a chance to, because they're not going to speak now for the next minute or so. It's only going to be me. So can we just like it and get up to over 500? I want to thank everyone in the chat who's participated. You've all been brilliant. Majority, 99% of you have been respectful to each other and to us as well. The chat's been amazing. Liverpool are not amazing right now. But we have been here trying to speak on our beloved club. We continue to support them because that's all we know. It's in our DNA. If you wish to sub- stop supporting them, feel free. No one's obliged. It's not a... Um, what's the word, guys? It's not a... Uh, it's not um Like, you're not obliged Ob- to support them. Obligation. Like, man- obligated. Man- mandatory. Man- yeah. Mm. If you feel that way and you're so angry about what's going on and you're... You know, you're bemused and you're, you know, you want to give up. No, but listen, hey, it's, it's, you do what you want to do. But what we're going to do on Football Carnage and especially on Redfellas is continue to support the club we love, the manager we love, and the owners, not so much. But um, we end with the breaking news or exclusive or whatever you want to call it. I feel as though, and I believe so, we're going to have new owners very soon. This has been Redfellas. We will see you tomorrow trying to look forward to Wolves. Trying being the operative word. Take care. Love to all. Peace to all. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.